here again this morning. Congratulations on being awesome. Uh, and <laughs> I want to uh, just take a moment and say to all of our volunteers and our team and our staff, a huge thank you. Last night was a major undertaking. Uh, I think I was told we had somewhere in the ballpark of around 700 souls here between both gatherings, which is quite incredible. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so um, I just, to Brad and Brad and Marley and, and Sarah and all of our other team, Joe Casey was running around, Jim was running around. It was a zoo. Man, it was a zoo. So, and every year we just say, Jesus, thank you so much for not burning the house down. We're so thankful. At the same time, I'm like, you know we need a bigger building, Lord, so maybe burn it down, and then we get a new one. I don't really mean that, because if that did happen, then insurance shows up, and they're like, so, we listen to you on YouTube. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> um, I want to go to the book of John. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand, and I just want to take a few moments of your time on, on this Christmas morning. I know... Uh, I'm hoping that most of you have a, a great place to go afterwards, and and if not, hopefully someone has extended their uh, hospitality to you that you would be able to spend time with them. And, and if not, if you're at home alone, uh, or maybe you're watching online and you're alone, just know that Christ is with you. That's the whole celebration of Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. And that's the promise. No matter where we are at any time, we have a Savior, and that Savior is present. Uh, and so this morning... I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle than I did last night, uh, only because uh, I wanted to, <laughs> and because the Word is just an endless well to dive into. And I want to go to John, like I said, in verse 1 of chapter 1, the very beginning, and that's exactly what it says in John 1, 1, in the beginning. And the reason that that's important is because it's the same language that's used in Genesis 1, in the beginning. And as we're introduced to God creating all of creation in Genesis 1, we get the beginning that everything is good. In fact, we see that God actually declares every time he creates something, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. And the only time he doesn't say it is, is when Adam is created because Adam is alone. And just like uh, you and I, Adam was made for community. We're made for people. That's in part why some of you are here. Because you want community. You know that you're part of something bigger than just uh, the, the individualistic kind of idea that culture pushes along your way. And so in community, uh, Jesus creates Adam and says, okay, it's not good. It's not good that you're alone. So he creates for him Eve, a companion, someone like him. Uh, and then we know in Genesis 3, there's a fall. And mankind rebels against God. And that rebellion creates a, a whole lot of issues and a whole lot of problems. In essence, what Adam and Eve did is they told God, I, I can do life my way. I don't need everything that God says. I don't need everything that God says is true. I can kind of create my own truth. And I can live my life according to my own ways. And the results, obviously, are catastrophic. Mankind falls, disease enters into the picture, and, and hate, and, and violence, and, and murder, and addiction, and all of these things that we know our culture struggles with are all a byproduct of man's rebellion against God. And so after Genesis 3, we then get all of the Old Testament that basically shows us that we need God. We need the presence of God. And that's essentially what I, I would argue all of the Old Testament is. 
It's God's people just saying, Lord, we need your presence. And it's God's people rebelling and saying, actually, no, we don't. (laughs) And then they realize they do. That's the book of Judges. It's like, we don't need God. Oh, my gosh. Yes, we do. Oh, we don't need him anymore. Everything's fine. Oh, my gosh. Things are bad. Yes, we do. It's a call out for God's presence. And then in John 1, we're introduced to Christmas in the beginning. It's God recreating the story, if you will, redeeming the story. It's, it's echoing back to Genesis, all that has been broken, all that has been fractured, God desires to make whole again. In the beginning, he says, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now we're introduced to the deity of God and Christ. He was in the beginning with God. Who's he speaking of? He's speaking of Jesus. He's always been there. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Okay, all of us, all substance of the world, all of the trees, all of the sand, all of the waters, all of the oceans, all of the fish, all of the cows. Are you with me? All of the pets, all of the things that are beautiful, the sunsets, the sunrises, the the full moon, and even all of the stars in the sky. They were all made by God, through him, it says. Now later we're told that not only was it made through him, but it was made for him. And by all things created through God, everything that is good, everything that tastes awesome, right? I'm hoping some of you are going to have some prime rib uh, this evening. Anybody going to have prime rib? Amen, amen, amen. I don't see any of my vegetarian friends here this morning. No, I don't even know. Like, I love my vegetarian friends, and I actually found some Bible verses that back up being vegetarian. It's true. You could ask Daniel about it. You just go to the book of Daniel. But what's so funny about that, uh, and this is just a side thing, I just, what does a vegetarian eat on a Christmas day? Like, I'm going to have prime rib and turkey, and you're going to have just a really good eggplant. I don't know, but God bless you. You're going to live longer than me, but I get to see Jesus sooner. (laughs) And without him, not anything made that was made in, now listen, verse four, uh, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. Inside of this baby that was born in a manger is life. That's in part why I think Christ came as a child, just in part, not all. I think it's that he's approachable and that he's soft and he's delicate. And for sinners who understand that they're under the wrath of God, a baby is an invitation to the sweetness of who God is. But in Jesus, in that manger, is life. And that's what we're ultimately, what we desire. That That is what we hoped even last night in the proclamation of the gospel, that, that those who don't have this life that is in that manger would have that life, and that they would walk in that life, and that they would know life. He goes on and he says, and this is kind of the title of the message this morning, and the life was the light of men. That's what I want to focus on this morning, the light, that that this baby who is God, wrapped in delicate flesh, he is the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Another way of stating that in the original languages is they d- doesn't comprehend it. The, the darkness doesn't comprehend. It doesn't understand. And so like a night last night, uh, and even for maybe some this morning, th- there is a lack of understanding about this baby Jesus. 
there's a lack of understanding of who God is. And, and, and there's a veil. We know that Scripture tells us that there is like a veil that needs to be lifted from people's eyes. But the Spirit of God has the ability to lift that veil, not through the manipulation of man or, or through the, the music necessarily. It's the Spirit of God that gives life to mankind, to people. And he wants to give that life to us. So here's this life and here's this light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. doesn't understand it. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness of the light. That, that's kind of us. All of us are like John. We bear witness of the light. And we're not the light. We're the reflection of the light, like the moon reflects the sun. We are to reflect that light, but we're not the source of light. More on that here in a moment. The light which gives light to everyone, verse 9, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's the only way someone is born again, is through the power of God. Take note of what it says here. I think it's important that all might believe, he says. John comes as a witness of this light, <clears throat> this light of the world that all would believe. And, and he shares that testimony of who God is, that people's belief would be empowered. That ultimately is one of the major goals of preaching, teaching, reading scripture, reading devotions, whatever it may be, that your belief, your faith would be made strong. Uh, in fact, we, we need to make a clear distinction that, that people become Christians. They become born again. They become part of this life and part of this light of the world through that word belief. Only someone can come to salvation through faith. It's believing in your heart. And even then, our faith, we know, is somewhat kind of incomplete and a little bit fractured. That's why one of the best verses is the man who brought his son to the Lord. And Jesus said, do you believe I can heal your son? And what's the man's response? Yeah, I believe. Help my unbelief. I think we all live within that kind of tension. Yes, I love Jesus. I love who he is. I have given my life to him in service. I mean, the, the amount of energy in the last two days is, is for our team, the whole week, the, the prayer, the preparation. It's all completely 100% worth it to give glory to God. But it's work. And why do we do that? Because this life has been given to us. This faith has been given to us as a gift. Now, let's be clear. It says that Jesus is the light. There is no other light. There may be false lights. There may be blinky lights. There may be lights in the world that, that attract you, that lead you towards sin, whatever those things may be, but they're not the real light. The real light, which is Jesus, has come into the darkness to be the light of the world. And all of mankind lives in, in, in literally in two places, either in darkness or in light. John 8 would say this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, it's a, it's a, it's a life of faith. It's, I'm going to follow Jesus. And as I follow Jesus and I follow the principles of Christ and I follow the principles of Scripture, as I fall in love with him, I will walk in light. And though the world seems like it's always kind of crushing in and darkness seems to always be overcoming and overtaking, it seems like in the news, like, right, like I think a button just ripped off of my, <laughs> that's what happens when my arms are too buff, yeah. <laughs> um, 
I'm such a dork. <clears throat> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, we either are walking in the light with Christ or we're walking in the darkness. And we can have that light. And there's an invitation to walk in that light. This is, John, in essence, is, is not rewriting history. He's, he's inviting us, uh, us into the new redemption of history in the beginning. Last night, there were several individuals who made a choice, at least uh, somewhat visibly, to follow after the Lord. And what happens, you know, with that seed that fell into those hearts? It's not for me to get to decide whether that falls on thorny bushes or it falls in good soil or, you know, it could, any number of things can happen. We trust the Lord to keep that life and that light, that that is a real salvation for those who've made that proclamation. But what is this idea of light? What is light? What is he trying to communicate? Light, according to Scripture, and I think all of us would agree with this, light represents all that is right. right? My, my daughter still sleeps in her room with her light on. In part, for whatever reason, she's scared of the shadows. I mean, even bought one of those LED lights you plug into the wall that are way too bright to be like a nightlight. It's not, not a nightlight. It's like a spotlight. It's still not bright enough for her. She wants more light. But light, light, we know there's nothing in the darkness of light. There's nothing hiding in the light. Everything that, that, that is pure is seen in the light. The, the light is, is justice. It's pleasant. It's good. It's uplifting. It gives us hope. Uh, it gives us life, life uh, and blessing, right? Without the sun light, there is no life. Without the, 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 the power of, of the sun, there literally is no way we could survive. And even in that balance between the, the where the, planet is and all the planets are we know that we're perfectly placed so that if, if we were just a nudge this way we'd all freeze and if we were just a nudge this way we'd all burn and yet in the sovereignty of god as he holds the universe in his hands we're perfectly balanced right where we need to be to receive this life and light plants grow without it we would die without it you can't see trees or flowers without light you can't see any of those things and this is what he says. This is the light. This is the life. This is truth. That's what else the light is. It's truth. It's, it's solid, and it lets us know what is real. And according to Scripture, this light, this baby in the manger, is the source of our joy. And think of the language of all of the things that, that are hard. We use language like, you know, I'm depressed, or I'm anxious, or I feel alone, or I'm sad. All of that is language of darkness. Right? If you're in the dark, you're alone and you're isolated. There's no one there. There's no relationship. There's no people. But Jesus is inviting us into the community of the Trinity at Christmas time. He's inviting us into his life. And we know we all have this kind of weird issue, right? Even though we know that light is beautiful and light is good and light is necessary and light brings life and that Jesus brings that life, we know that there's a world out there that doesn't like the light. Right? You turn on Scripture, you turn on the person of Jesus, and people kind of get weird, don't they? Right? If you start to proclaim the message that, that we are sinners that need to be reconciled to God, that's not like the most popular message in our world. The world loves darkness, which is so silly because darkness brings anxiety. It brings confusion, and it brings oppression, and it brings chaos, and it brings separation. It brings destruction. Albert Einstein said of the human nature, two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity. I'm not sure about the universe, he said. 
Now, with that said, there's just a, a piece of us that really kind of, unfortunately, we, we want that darkness. And even though the light of Christ comes in us, we then become very well aware that in our relationship with Jesus, that there is a battle in all of us between the flesh and the spirit. Right? The light and the darkness, if you will. The, the flesh has a way. Like, like I, I've always thought it was really funny for those who are like, have you, you ever heard someone say, the devil made me do it? And maybe you've said it, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You did it. <laughs> right? I mean, we make Satan out to be this huge enemy. And, and don't get me wrong, like, like he is. But we also forget, like, that enemy's head is crushed. Christmas is a declaration that Satan's head's been crushed. It's, it's the prophecy all the way back into Genesis when he tells Eve, through your offspring, I'm going to fix all this. That's essentially what God said all the way back in Genesis. So Satan's head is crushed. For the Christian, all the power, all the darkness, all the evil, all the separation, all of that is gone for you. But you still have flesh. Most of the time, the devil didn't make you do it. Your flesh made you do it. Most of the time, it's you. Now, that doesn't mean there's not spiritual forces and all of that. But most of the time, you're the problem. <laughs> Am I right? Just like Adam was the problem. And, and, and God has even come to fix that. But John, John just keeps hammering this home. He talks about light and darkness over 20 times in, in this gospel. In John 3.19, he says, This is judgment. The light has come to the world, and people love darkness. There it is in Scripture. God has declared it. He knows the human condition is that they would rather have darkness than light because their works are evil. That's the reason. He says they like to hide their stuff. All of the sin that we can think of, all the major sin, it's all done in darkness, isn't it? I mean, I, I used to have a saying, you know, nothing ever good happens after midnight. Yeah? I mean, I don't know if that's completely true. I think, you know, some of you gave birth to beautiful babies after midnight. <laughs> that's a good thing. But if you're out downtown Reno, right, the Santa crawl, that's a thing. Let's all dress up like Santa, get really drunk to the point we're all crawling. Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's silly. And because of this, because of this loving of darkness, there's a suppression of truth. There's unbelief. Again, more isolation and separation. But thanks be to God that as God came from heaven into earth as this baby for us, for us, he came to re remove all that darkness, remove all that isolation, remove all that lostness, remove the loss of identity. And God is not hiding. He has come into the world with his invincible light. Do you notice the language that's used here? How indestructible this light is? He uses the language here in the text. The darkness has not overcome it. Light is invincible. Right? Darkness runs from light. As soon as you turn on a candle like we did last night man last night this room completely fully packed just people everywhere and and to see everyone standing with the light illuminating their faces against the darkness there's beauty and we're going to be entering into a whole new year in a few days yeah 2023 if you ever just want to have some fun go google like people's predictions for 2020 right i think we're supposed to have flying cars right now I'm still wondering where my uh, hoverboard is from Back to the Future. Remember that thing? Especially those sneakers. Where are those? Do so you know what I'm talking about? I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> the Jetsons. Yeah. 
right? We, we have all these weird, and yet here we are in 2023, and mankind is just as filled with foolishness and folly as they were in first century or whatever year that we're just, like, like Albert Einstein said, infinitely tripping over ourselves. Yet, there's nothing that can stop this light. Light pushes back darkness. Light overcomes it. Darkness never overcomes light, does it? Darkness never snuffs out, snuffs out light. It's impossible. And this light is the creator of all things. He says it right here in the text. This light is invincible. It's powerful. And all of these things he created that are good to reflect that light, that we would be drawn to the light and not the thing. But that's another one of the issues that we have within our society, within our world that people want to worship that which the light has created rather than the light itself. And so you got people worshiping crystals and you got people worshiping trees and you've got people worshiping animals and you've got people worshiping anything and everything but the one who made those things. Those things were created that we would see that God is amazing and beautiful. Right? You, you, one of the best things I've done for my family, this is going to sound silly, we, you know, getting a dog. So the best things I've ever done, right? And the reason I say that is because, like, <laughs> dogs love you no matter what. I, could, I don't, but I could beat my dog, and he'd still be like, you're home, <laughs> right? And the other night, <laughs> don't judge me by this. This might be poor parenting, but he was laying on me. He lays, he, he's, he's about a 100-pound dog, and he thinks he weighs 15 pounds. And so when he jumps, he jumps on you because he wants to lay on your lap, right? This big, massive guy he jumps on you. And uh, because he's cold, he's got a thin uh, coat. So during the winter, he's really, really cold. He, he wants to cuddle. And when he cuddles, he jumps on you like he's 15 pounds. And then he lays on you, but he doesn't lay on you. He kind of does one of those WWF moves, you know? <laughs> Bam! And then he just cuddles in. And so I started petting him. All my kids are there. And we were having a little bit of a rough night. And I was like, God gave us dogs so we could see what it's like to be kind, gentle, loving, right? I'm petting him, and I'm looking at my kids like, these are all the things I want from you guys. <laughs> this is all I want. It doesn't seem like it's that hard. Is it that hard to do? Yes, Dad, it's that hard to do. But he's created all of those things, not that we would worship them. But those things have that nature because they're created by God who has that nature. Right? You have the capacity to love, but you don't, you're not love. You have the capacity for kindness, but you're not kindness. You have the capacity for compassion, but you are not compassion. But Jesus is these things. That is what it means to be the light of the world. I am these things. Jesus himself is love. To look at Christ in the face is to see the love of God for mankind. A mankind that's wandering in the darkness, tripping over all kinds of stupid little things. And yet he's always there compassionately to lift us up. He's long-suffering in our sin. Most of us have, should, have, should have had all of our sin thrown in our face, but instead we don't get that. We, we get Jesus. We get a baby in a manger. To me, that's incredible. How can I not give my heart to a God that, that when, I, when I choose darkness over light and when I trip or when I make mistakes in my parenting or in my marriage, that Jesus is always there to say, I'm your light and I'm your life. 
and I'll pick you up. And I'll keep walking with you through all of life in this community. That, yeah, life is hard, but you'll always have me with you. Zephaniah 3, 17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Can I read that again? Because this is, this is your God. And listen to the language. He's in your midst. He's, he's here. No manipulation. He's here. Do you sense him? Do you feel him? I, I, I do. A mighty one. Right? The darkness can't overcome it. He's the mighty one. You're not. You can't be the mighty one. You need a mighty one. And he's your mighty one. And he will save And he will rejoice over you with gladness. God is like a parent who's standing over his newborn child and he's saying, man, this is, there is nothing other than you. That's to be saved is for God to love you as if you're the only person on the planet, even though he loves other people the same way. It's, It's quite amazing. It's quite infinite. That his love over us is unique for each of us and it's special and it's beautiful and he rejoices over us with gladness and he will quiet you with his love. I need more quietness. I really do. My uh, family, up until this week, we're still kind of wrestling through with it. It's just the way it is. Most of you are as well. But my family's been sick for like nine days, right? They didn't leave the house for so long that the battery in, in my wife's car died. Right? And, 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 and finally, my wife and the kids were able to leave the house and what had happened, this is kind of a long story, but what had happened, well, I'll make it short for you. Um, what had happened literally was the car died. My wife called me. She needed to go somewhere. So I left the church early, gave her my truck so she could take off with the kids, and I waited for AAA to show up so that we could get the car all dialed in, right? Well, my wife takes off. I call AAA, and guess what AAA says? Oh, see you in four hours. And I was like, dude, th- what? Fine. I'll go take a nap. So I did. And I took a nap. And because there was no kids in the house, no phone ringing, and I just felt the solace of God. He had quieted my soul, but for a moment. And in that moment, it was just me and the Lord on the couch, taking a nap to the glory of God. And he quieted my soul. And he then, he can, at the same time, it says in the text, he can exalt over you. With loud singing, there's rejoicing with the Lord. Do you hear it? It's celebration and it's peace. That's the manger. That's Jesus. And why is this light announced? He tells us that you'd believe. The light has come that you would believe. John 8, 12, Jesus again spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And he was saying these things and many believed in him. The declaration of Christmas is that people would believe and that people would make sense of the darkness of the world and that they would have the shining of God upon them. I mean, ultimately, all of the declaration of everything that we want to say on a Sunday or that we want to say in the scripture or we want to say on a podcast or or anything that is a, a source of who God is, is that, again, you would believe, that you would believe and that you're faith would be strengthened in a world that is ever increasingly pressuring upon you. Your faith needs to be increased in Christ. I mean, he's all that matters. 
The reason we freely give gifts at Christmas time is because he freely gave us the only gift that we really need. Reconciliation back with God. Peace with God. So what is the takeaway of all of this? Well, one is to rejoice that Jesus' light shines upon you. Feel his warmth. Know his life. Know his peace. It's offered to you as a free gift. But also live in the life. Live in the light. To live in the light is to be transparent. It's to be free. It's to be consistent. It's to have integrity. It's to get out of the darkness and wrap your identity in him. So can I just practice that for you? Man, I, this is Christmas, and I'm so stoked, and I'm excited. I'm also completely exhausted. I, I, mean, I mean, I woke up this morning and was like, whose idea was it to have church on Christmas? <laughs> and just being honest, right? I'm a human. And now that I'm standing here and I'm reading Scripture to you, I feel a little bit more awakened, but I know what's going to happen in a few moments of time. I'm going to crash, and thank God there'll be prime rib to comfort me along the way. <laughs> We live in the light. My friends, live in the light in 2023. Choose to be transparent. Choose to be real. Choose to share your struggles with somebody of faith that can point you to Christ and the gospel. Not the advice of the world, but the advice of Christ. Choose to live in the light. Number two, live attractively. That's what it means to live in the light. There should be something about your life that is unique and different. Yeah, you know what? Like I mentioned it last night. One of the most unique things about our church that is anti-culture is the amount of kids that we're having, right? You're pregnant again, right, Ben? Twins this time? Yeah. (laughs) He said, she is. Good clarification. You still had a role to play. Live attractively. Live differently. Value the things of Christ. That was part of one of my points last night, just to, to share that the world doesn't value children, but God does. One of the things I heard one of my pastor friends say this last week was, was, hey, if you're, if you're a single guy, don't be afraid to be like Joseph and don't be afraid to marry someone who has children, a widow. I mean, that's what Joseph essentially did, right? Like, man, he, he, he took on the role of a child that he, wasn't, he knew wasn't his. That's my story. I had a a stepfather who, who literally raised me that if he wouldn't have had the kindness and the grace to do that, I'd have been completely fatherless. I mean, thank God for families like the Weeds who have embraced, I don't know how many of you were able to see in the second service, but uh, two of their kids jumping all over me and then Matt came up and then he jumped on me. It was just a beautiful moment of, right? Matt, you're light. You've lost a lot of weight, man. You're a very light guy. <laughs> He's so funny. Thanks. To live attractively, like to have those kids interrupt service. I love that. I'm not taken back by that. I'm not offended by that. I'm not bothered that, that Matt and Bryn's kids run around like, what is church without those beautiful babies? They're, the, they're our hope. They're, they're our future. And we have to do everything that we can to embrace family and the isolated and the broken and the marginalized, those who've never known the love or the light of God, we have an opportunity in our culture here to share that light and to be attractive to a world that desperately needs what it is that we possess. And let's not take for granted what Jesus has done by entering into this world and entering into our sin. And then lastly, 
live with hope. To live with light is to live with hope. We can see the horizon. We can see where the road is going. The light has shown in our hearts in such a way we know the destination, and so we have hope that a new day and a new kingdom and a new life is going to overtake this world. We rejoice in the hope that Jesus, who created all things and called it good, and then we made it all bad, is going to recreate it all again, and we get to be there because we believe in faith, and we get to enjoy that for eternity. Today, we suffer a little bit. We do. Let's be honest. All of us have our anxieties. All of us have our disappointments. But just know they're but for a moment. They're a blink of an eye. Right? That's what James says. Life is but a vapor. You ever seen how fast a vapor disappears? That's what our life is like. However, the next one's not a vapor. I love C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce. He, he talks about how heaven is so real that, it, that if you're not really created for heaven, it'll be too painful for you to walk in because it's just too real, right? That, that, that entity goes, the soul goes to heaven and he, he can't step on the grass because the grass is too sharp for his feet. And in order for the grass not to be sharp on his feet, he needs what we all need to be recreated so the grass feels as it should. And for us, we will enter into a new eternity and a new heaven because of the promise of Jesus. There'll be no more pain, no more tears. And that's the hope that we have. And this light has shown, it has heated up our hearts and it's given us the ability to love beyond what our normal capacity could. And then that light is a promise of distant future that God has us, amen? Would you stand with me as we pray and we close in song? Thank you, Lord, that you are the light of the world. And you can't be hidden, Lord. And I pray that since you can't be hidden, we wouldn't hide that light either. We wouldn't take our light, put it under a basket, or put it on a stand and shove it off to the side, but we would put it out in the center of all that we do, that it would light the whole world. Lord, let our light shine before others that they may see who you are and give glory to you. Help us this morning to live full of rejoicing that we don't live in the darkness, we live in light. And that, Lord, because of that, our lives can be attractive and we can give hope to a world that is desperate for it. We trust you for that. Thank you for today and all of its festivities. I pray for all of our homes this morning and all of our families that are part of our church that their Christmas day today would be filled with peace, joy, happiness. And maybe even, Lord, if necessary, forgiveness and reconciliation with loved ones. We ask for that miracle. Because after all, for us to be reconciled to you in our sin is just that, an absolute miracle. So we thank you and we sing to you and we worship you now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. Let's sing. There's a Christmas song about letting your light shine to other people. Anybody want to take a guess? Uh, uh, Way to spoil it. (laughs) I'm glad you did. It actually was perfectly timed. Let's sing to one another. Let's worship our God about letting that light shine.
go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born Shepherds kept their watching or silent flocks by night. Behold, throughout the heavens, there shone a holy light. Go tell it on the Take that spirit of joy, may it fill your hearts, may it fill your homes, may it fill your neighborhoods. Go tell that Jesus has been born, and then come back and tell us what God did with that. Merry Christmas. <laughs>